And a big welcome back to the Endurance Hour podcast. This is episode 385, our second podcast of 2023. And we're kicking off 2023, Wendy, with a great special offer on all of our training plans that are on Training Peaks. All of our triathlon plans for the next three months are $99 or less with our special discount code. Whether it's the Ironman distance, beginner or elite, half Ironman, Olympic sprint, all levels, all distances are $99 or less with our discount code. Talk about how this works out so people can take advantage of these now as they're planning their triathlon season. And remember, when you buy one of these, you have it for life. So you can apply it to a future race next year or the year after that. Yes. So we have created plans on Training Peaks. We use that platform for its convenience. And we have a price. If you go to Wendy Mater Training Plans on Training Peaks, you will see swim, bike, and run and triathlon programs. And our our $99 or less programs are on all the multi-sport, all the triathlon programs, ranging from Sprint Olympic, 70.3 and 140.6, Couch 2, Beginner, and Advanced. They're all training plans. They range from 12, 16, up to 24 weeks. And there's a, a price you'll see. And then if you add on our 33% discount code, that'll bring that price that you see on Training Peaks less than $99. So for example, um, if you were to get a sprint, you will see the posted price of $43 using our code. It's 29. The Olympic, the posted price is 73 with our discount code. It's $49, 70.3. The posted price is 117 with our discount at 79. And then the 140.6 is 147. And then with our discount code, it's $99. And we are making these offers through March of 2023, so March 31st. And how to get that discount code? You go to our website, straightforward, endurancehour.com. And when you go there, you'll see the option to get the code. Basically, it's just a form that you put your email address in. We send you the code, and then you apply it. It says 33% off uh, Training Peaks code at the very top of the endurancehour.com page. And that's as simple and straightforward as it is. Use that code to apply to any of these programs to get the the, play, the price of $99 or less. If you don't use it, then you can pay the 147. Either way, these plans are packed full of, of coaching videos, uh, links to educational resources, terminology, uh, and videos before every major training block. There are training plans that are specific for the event and the distance. They're not coaching. You don't get coaching with this specifically. These are training plans with the element of coaching videos within the plan, which makes them special and stand out from the crowd. And with every purchase, you can contact me and we can set up a phone call through the, the regular phone, Skype or Zoom and kind of do a consultation, um, answer any questions you have. So you, you start off on the right track. This is a great deal. We're going to run it for the next uh, three months. Take advantage of it now. Lock in on those prices before they go up uh, beginning in April. So endurancehour.com, get the discount code and find it on Training Peaks under Wendy's coaching page. Speaking of coaching, we've got some questions that were messaged in. And the first one comes from Chuck. He is training for the Boulder 70.3, which is in June. And this is a race that you've done a number of times. I did mm -hmm. it once way back like 10 years ago. Now, Chuck says, I've done all my training so far with cage pedals. Remember those? As Because <laughs> I can't get away with the clip-ons right now. They just don't feel comfortable to me. I feel really comfortable using cages 
So just want to get your opinion on the people who say that clip-ons are a must. Coach? I love I love your question. Remember those? So <laughs> yes, back in the day when I started triathlon 30 years ago, I also used cages or, or not. I would ride my bike with regular running shoes on. I started off on a mountain bike and I would just kind of, um, I was in graduate school. I would just ride around campus on my mountain bike, not even having the cages. And, and that was fine. You know, that was a good way to start. And then I was, I was shopping for my first road bike. They all came with, you know, certain pedals and you had to buy shoes that you get to clip into. And now that I've used clipless pedals, you know, shoes where I clip into my bike, I'm actually more comfortable with those than I would be with a cage because sometimes if you have cages, you're not used to that. So you, you, you do still have to pull your foot out of the cage when you come to a stop, just like you have to unclip off your pedal when you come to a stop. And, you know, we're all uncomfortable at first. You know, I, I don't know anyone who gets their first pair of shoes and pedals and aren't, and, and is comfortable right away because it's just uh, something you have to remember to unclip when you come to a stop. And sometimes if it's too tight, like I have a mountain bike and I, my pedals and cleats, my pedals are too tight in the cleat. And so I, I have to take the time to figure out how to loosen that up. So every time I've ridden my mountain bike with those pedals and cleats, I would actually have to, when I was coming to a stop, I'd have to pull my foot out of my shoe so I could stand on the ground because I, I couldn't twist it. It was, there's something that's too tight. And so obviously that's not very comfortable. And at the same time, I would rather ride with those than regular running shoes. And so it just takes some getting used to practicing. You know, I always suggest that athletes practice in an area, like maybe just ride around on the grass or other soft surface, just in case you fall. And if you are new to cycling, it's not a matter of if you've fallen yet, it's a matter of when you will fall because I don't know any cyclist who has not fallen off their bike, you know, mostly have done so in a safe manner. And it's just kind of just getting comfortable clipping in, clipping out of the shoes, just like you have to get comfortable pulling your foot out of the cage and setting your foot on the ground. I have a picture. I think it was from 2000 when I did my, I first tried to triathlon in 98 a little sprint. Yeah. 98. And then a couple of years later, now that I was getting into it, I think it was 2000. I have a picture of a big eight by 10 riding my road bike with, I think there might've been clip on aero bars, but I had cages on, had this really dorky helmet on shorts and a shirt as my, my entire setup. It looks so, I mean, like so rookieish way back then, but I didn't know any better. I also didn't know about nutrition back then, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, the cages, it's a quick, it's an easy thing at first. And if you've ever fallen with uh, the clip on pedals, it's like falling in slow motion. You hear you're, <laughs> you're going like a tree. It's like, oh, I can't get my foot out in time. But if, you know, let's say you come to a stoplight, you got to time it to where you're holding on to the turn signal pole, you know, at a, a intersection, hold on to one of those, get used to it, get a feel for it, uh, practice that snap out. It's a big, it's a, it's a, it takes some getting used to, but once you do it, it becomes just like tying your shoe. You don't even think twice about it. It just, right. it just comes natural of like turn out anticipating the stops or anticipating when you're going to need it out. And that'll be a, that'll be very, very helpful. 
Yeah, and the benefit, the reason everyone's telling you to use the the shoes and the pedals is because you will start to engage more of your leg muscles when you're clipped in. Mm-hmm. You'll start to feel those hamstrings and those glutes pulling back and those quads pushing over the top. You don't get that sensation when you have regular shoes in cages while you're pedaling. So so you should be faster when you're clipped in. And you're going to save your legs because otherwise you're just smashing down mm-hmm. and you're using the momentum to bring yourself back up. But if you have that extra, that muscle that pulls up, that you can be efficiently pulling up, then you take some strain and stress off the pushing down element and you're able to do a, a good rotation, a good full cycle of up and down. And that's why in some of the the plans, you have some, we have some cycling plans where it just works on one-legged drills. And the purpose of those one-legged drills is to work on that lift and push and try to keep an even mm-hmm. pressure around the full uh, rotation of the of the pedal stroke. Yep. And you mentioned something about uh, going into grass for, you know, in case you fall over. That's also a good technique if you want to practice, if you ever get into the situation where you're bumping against somebody, if you want to practice balance. So yeah. leaning against somebody in the grass, two cyclists side by side, because if you both fall, no big deal because you're in the grass, but you can work on your own balance and get the feel just in case you were to bump into somebody. Secondly, which leads into this part is open water swimming practice in the pool. You know all about this coach. Like you put, you put four people into a single lane so they know what body contact feels like. Talk more about that if you can. Yeah. So a drill you can use in the pool to practice open water swimming is to get together with your friends or if you swim with a master swim group, any group will do. You all, you know, squish into one lane and you try to all hold on to the wall and you all push off or, or leave at the same time. You know, make sure you're all in agreement that you're not out to hit anyone, but you yeah. will um, start getting that sensation of what it's like to do a mass swim start or, or wave swim start, just any swim start with a, a large group of people. And you'll feel the people hitting each other. You know, I like to go behind people and I like to purposely grab their legs and push them under so they know what that feels like to be pushed under, holding your breath and feeling comfortable doing that. And it's kind of just, a, it's really a fun thing to do because then you start to get competitive and you start to compete and race each other to the other end. It's, it's just one of many fun drills you can do in the pool, as well as swimming with your eyes closed in the pool to get used to that sensation of when you're in open water and it may be a little murky and you can't see the bottom. You just kind of, again, that visual and that sensation, you can do that in the pool as well. I believe it was 2007 or 2008 there was an open water clinic by a professional, Jim something, um, in, the, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So what he did was he had, I don't know, maybe a dozen of us in wetsuits because the water was cold in Coeur d'Alene. This is preparing for an Ironman Coeur d'Alene in, in a June race, but we were doing something in May where we start off on the, the beach and we'd all mm-hmm. run as because when they would have the open water swims from the beach into the water, we'd all run mm-hmm. together and dive in the water and swim for 50 yards or whatever it was, and then come back as a practice for these rolling, running swim starts. And then he would have us swim real close to each other on purpose to get the feel. And he would tell us ahead of time, fight through it, keep swimming through it, hold your position, practice not um, being strong in the water. 
So you'd have to, you know, core strength and just keep digging and grinding forward. And I know by doing that, whenever someone would cross your body unintentionally, because they can't see sometimes over the back of your legs or over your head, or they, some people just bounce into each other. It is so important to know it's going to happen, uh-huh. but know what to do when it happens by holding your position. Kind of like when you're on the bike, if you're two people are on the bike in the grass, hold your position. And it may seem like maybe a jerk thing to do when you don't move, when someone tries it hits you, have them bounce off you, let them bounce off you and mm-hmm. hold your position. Have you experienced that? And what do you do when someone has accidentally grabbed your leg or they've crossed, swam over your body in the open water? Well, I want to touch on hold your position, make forward progress, stay horizontal. Mm. You want to you want to limit the amount of time your body goes vertical when you're in open water because when you go vertical, it takes energy to go back to horizontal position and make forward progress. You're not really going to make forward progress if you're vertical in the water. So stay keep that horizontal position even if you swim with your head up. So back in the day when there were more mass swim starts, I used to swim two, three, four hundred yards, meters with my head out of the water because I've always felt like I was swimming on top of bodies because I'm always going to start front and center and not look back because those moments that I do look back and I see these thousands of bodies behind me, it does give me a little bit more intimidated. And at Mm -hmm. the same time, I also have the confidence that I'm one of the stronger swimmers in the water that I can handle anything. So I'm going to be front and center and I am going to get swum over and there's only been one race where it was in the uh, Kona 2009 that I, I just, I couldn't get a good position. I couldn't maintain a lead. I ended up, I, I think I was just overtrained for that race and I couldn't sustain my normal swim pace. And so I kept falling back into different groups and with about a 1k to go, my, my caps, cause I got hit so many times, my swim cap fell off, my goggles, my swim cap fell off. I was mm-hmm. able to get my goggles back on, but I really struggled that day because I just got beat up and I normally don't get as beat up as I did that day. And so it just definitely does happen. I'm someone who doesn't kick much while I'm swimming and I don't kick at all, especially in a wetsuit. So when someone does like grab up to my calf, when they're, they're grabbing me more than just touching my toe, then I start to kick a little bit more to kind of get them away from me, get them off of me. Um, I don't intend to want to kick anyone hard or, you know, injure anyone. So I'm just very mindful of, you know, focusing on moving forward and just getting, getting in a better position where I'm not close to anyone who is not really knowing where they're going and they may be weaving in and out of the line of, of water. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was was good. All this because of the the beginning with (laughs) Uh, Chuck's question about 70.3 Boulder. Now that course has changed quite a bit from when I did it back in, I think 2012, or 2013. And when you were living there, you'd race that course a number of times. It was in your backyard. Yeah. I think about the first year I raced it. Um, it was when, okay. So there used to be an iron, I got to go back in my history Yeah. because I love talking about it. There used <laughs> to be an Ironman called 5430 sports Boulder yep. Ironman before Ironman was labeled Ironman. It was a Boulder Iron Distance Race. In 2002, I did that. It was a company called 5430 Sports. And then the next year, um, a guy of guy that we all know, Barry Siff, purchased that race, mm-hmm. and he created a Boulder Half Ironman. It was an Ironman 
but it was not owned by Ironman yet. So he he got rid of the iron distance race. He created a half Ironman, and then he created a series of a sprint, an Olympic, and a half. So the very famous Boulder Peak was the Olympic. He created the sprint, and he created this half. And so I think the first time I raced it was 2003, and I, you know I was all about winning the series. It was really exciting because amateurs got prize money. So that was really cool because Barry just did a fantastic job. He's a very good race director. And so that Boulder half started back then. And then, and then Ironman purchased it, changed the course. And then, you know, here we are 2023, 10 years Mm -hmm. after probably the first time I did it. And it has changed quite a bit. Uh, And there's no longer a Boulder Ironman. There was a Boulder Ironman for about three to four years, maybe up to five years as well. So yeah, the course is different, but even though I haven't lived there in five years, six years, I'm still very familiar with the roads and the names of the, and the turns and everything that the Boulder Ironman has to offer. Joe wrote in here, and I'm wondering if this is, a, he says they need an opinion on my first Ironman for October or November. After feedback on Arizona, I'm considering Florida and California races races as options. Thanks in advance for your feedback. Now, I've done Arizona a few times, covered it as a reporter. You have or have not when they I've done had... Arizona twice. I've done it when it was in April. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. And then I've also done it when it is it's since it moved to November. And I've been there as a spectator a couple times in the November race as well. So another one of those races at the end of the year is Florida, which you've done I know once for sure. Yeah. That was two years ago. In 2021, I did Florida. Okay. As far as California, and that's a new one, isn't it? Yeah. California started two years ago. The first year they had it, they had the cyclone bomb. So it was canceled race morning due to weather. Crazy. And then and then this past year, 2022, it happened. And, you know, people think of it's flat. It's fast. It's easy. I think those are all similar comments you get with Florida Mm-hmm. California or Ironman as a beginner friendly race. And I would say the same thing under perfect race conditions. It's flatter. It's, it's warm. It's not hot. It's usually not cold and the elevation's low and it's a beginner slash friendly race, but it's really not. There's always elements due to the nature of an Ironman by definition, you're always going to have elements. And this past year, California had really horrific winds. And so mm-hmm. I knew a lot of first timers who went to race there because they thought it was going to be maybe a little bit easier and faster course, which it wasn't because of the wind and they struggled. And some people said California was like the hardest Ironman they've ever done because of the wind. And same thing with Arizona, as you know, it could be extremely windy. It was more windy the year I did it in April than it was in November, but I've done it a couple times in November and one year it was just really cold in November. And so that could bring a challenge to some people who don't really like the cold or who just get more colder or who are colder more than others, such as myself. Mm-hmm. And then there's Florida, you know, Florida brings the element of swimming in the Gulf and the riptides. And the year I did it, 500 swimmers DNF'd the swim because of the riptides and how much it slowed them down. They didn't make the cutoff or they were challenged in some way in that water. And, and so, you know, what, which race does this, does this guy do? That's the question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it just depends on your why, how many months do you train? Is it a destination race? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? 
I would say they're all kind of similar in courses, except Florida has a, a golf swim. California has a downstream river swim. So if you're a less experienced swimmer, that might be the way to go. Whereas, you know, Arizona has more of the, like, I would call a neutral swim. Yeah. In their Tempe town lake, just basically, you know, man-made dark water, cold water lake (laughs) bridges. So yeah, there's a lot of elements when you when you're choosing which one to do first. And you can ask as many people as you want and they're all going to give you different answers based on their experiences. So it's really just up to you to determine the destination that you want to go to, your strengths and weaknesses and why you want to go to that destination. I think is the best way to decide because they're all, you know, within the same time of year. Since you haven't done California to do it over again, how would you rank these for yourself, Arizona, Florida, or California, if you were to do one and sign up for one this year, you could only do one. What would be the first one you do? What would be the second? What would be the third? <laughs> and and why? Um, yeah. Well, again, I, being in the South, I would choose I would choose Florida because it's close. But being mm-hmm. in the South, I've been there, done that. Um, okay, so so okay. I've been there, done that. I would choose California because I haven't done that. Ah, that that's you. My, that would be my reason I would choose California is because I mm. haven't done it yet. Now, again, being in the South, if income was an issue, I would choose Florida because it's closer. I can drive there. I save some money on 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 flights. Uh, being in Arizona, though, Arizona for me, I've done it a few times. I know a lot of athletes from Colorado who still go to that race. So I would go there kind of as a reunion to see my friends from Colorado. That might be a good reason for me to do Arizona again. And I really like the climate in Arizona in November. And so weather-wise, I think that's my favorite place to go based on weather. Mm -hmm. I think I would choose Arizona again, even though I had a bad experience this year or, you know, a few months ago. I'll probably do it again. I'm not too comfortable personally with a golf swim because uh, you can't really see it's hard to have um, some sight markers out there and uh, California just seems pretty crowded although I do like the idea of a, a downriver swim just familiarity in the time of year for Arizona would be more attractive to me and familiarity with the area because mm-hmm. you can really easily get outside of Phoenix and and not have to deal with too much traffic getting down there it just mm-hmm. it's very spectator friendly yeah, uh, and I know Florida. I've been there a couple of times to cover the race. I know how um, mundane it is just to, as an athlete, because I've been on the the motorbike following the pros. It's like, oh, this is just a out in the middle of just nowhere, mm-hmm. flattish can be. And even the run was kind of like, oh, you're just running. There's nothing really. There was nothing that stood out on the run to me. Uh-huh. The ground was, you know, a little sandy, so it wasn't. You know, even on some of the sidewalks, just because you're next to the ocean, sand can be blown around. I know, I don't know, it just didn't didn't seem as a pretty location. I assume that California is probably a gorgeous uh, environment on the bike, and it's not spectacular on the bike for the Arizona race. But you do have, you know, out there in the desert, it's kind of nice in some areas. And it's just so spectator friendly because it's a three loop. Well, it was when I did it. Arizona was a three loop bike course. Hmm. Which makes yeah, it, it you still get, is. It you get this year. To, yeah, you get to see, you know, friends and family after every 35 or so miles. Briefly, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, just again, 
California doesn't thrill me, but since I've never done it, that would, and, and a downstream swim, I have yet to do the year I signed up for Ironman Chattanooga, this one was canceled. So I have not done a full with a downstream swim as a strong swimmer. I still want to do that because I think it'd be fun to set a fast swim time swimming mm-hmm. downstream. Mm-hmm. Speaking of those races, just so happens, just ironically, we have two plans and I'm sure we'll make a third one. Uh, if you're coming off the couch and you're thinking about doing uh, Florida or California, we have plans on our Train Peaks play page right now. Again, as you t- I told you earlier, they're 147 posted, but use our code, they're $99. So if you, you got 24 weeks to do this plan, that's the from the couch to Ironman California, from the couch to Ironman Florida, 24 weeks, get one of those plans. We'll probably make an Arizona one as well. We got time to make that. So that'd be something to think about. And they got training videos within it. So it's kind of a cool one to think about. Yeah. And with those plans, it only requires you to work out or train seven to eight hours a week. So it's very doable for the athlete over that 20 work, 24 week, 24 week period to train for it. Next up, I uh, just want to jump into the T2 Endurance Group on Facebook. We do have one member who's requesting to join. It has some other ones that I cleared out today, Wendy that didn't answer the questions or hadn't answered the questions in six weeks. So it's like, ah, I guess you don't really, you're not serious about it. We've got over 700 people in this endurance club group. It's a private group. So we asked you to, you know, answer a few questions like, how'd you hear about us? What kind of events are you training for? And do you have a train peaks account? Because that's how all our plans are sold. Anyways, this one is, um, Wendy Wheeler Murray. Does that name sound familiar to you? I found Wendy through Training Peaks when I was looking at different training plans, and that's how she heard about us. Yeah, I didn't know if you'd heard about them. I think she had maybe possibly purchased a plan from us. So anyone who purchases purchases a plan from us, I will reach. If you leave us your email, I'll reach out to you, you know, and and ask you, you know, what race you're training for, and if you want to set up a consultation, and if you have any questions. So I, I vaguely remember that name because because of that. So Wendy is member seven. 15 inside the T2 Endurance Club. Uh, for people who people don't know, what is the club all about, Wendy? So we started this Facebook group club, I think in 2016 or 2017, and we actually started it in March because I remember we had, it was March was Nath- National Nutrition Month, and we decided to kick off our group with a nutrition challenge. And so we've had this for years and we, we want, we want to keep it small. I mean, there's over, over 700 people, but it's usually people who I personally coach who are friends of ours who, who seek us out because they purchase a training plan. And we always recommend that they join the group. If they're part of the training plan, it's a safe place to ask questions about your triathlon program, whether you're following one of ours or not, and, um, to join our challenges. So this year, we kicked off a January challenge um, that quite a few members are doing to try to complete an iron distance in the month of January. So they are trying to do 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and 26.2 miles of running over the course of the month. Some people are doing more than that. It's your challenge. You get to decide what you're going to do. And then each month, I'm going to come up with a different theme um, for February to come up with another like 30 day kind of addition to what they've already accomplished in January. Well, let's add this for 30 days and try to make it a new habit. And a lot of the, that a lot of those will be like incorporating some mobility or strength training or healthier eating habits or 
you know, I haven't come up with the themes for each month, but that's just another fun way to keep people engaged and to do something different. This is from James and he writes to us here, preferred indoor cycling training app. And why I'm bringing this up is because you have experience with a couple of these. I have only experience with one of them. Do you like Zwift, uh, Ruby, Full Gas, or something else? And why do you prefer the one that you use? Wendy, I know that you use Full Gas and seem to be uh, pretty happy with that one. Yeah, so I got, I actually had the original Smart Trainer, the Compu Trainer, mm -hmm. and I got that back in 2004. So I've been kind of training indoors with a Smart Trainer for a long time, and it was before it was called a Smart Trainer. And I broke one of my cords broke and they went out of business. So in 2020, um, someone, an athlete I coached gave me his Wahoo kicker. And I had been coaching a lot of athletes who rode on Zwift, but I had never done it before. So I decided to, to figure the Zwift thing out and I really enjoyed it. It got, it was my first introduction to riding with an app. I had had Trainer Road in the past, but I didn't understand Trainer Road. I didn't actually know it was an app. I just thought it was a lot of good educational components to it, and it had a lot of good workouts, but I never had ridden on the app before. This was years ago. I just didn't understand it. So Trainer Road is another is another format. Um, Zwift, what I found with Zwift is it's really fun because you can do a lot of group riding, and there's a lot more people, I believe, around the world who are riding Zwift. So if you connect and you own, if you have Zwift Companion, you can set up group rides with your friends where you can kind of choose the course and connect with them and, you know, set up a Zoom call or a Discord or a phone call and be chatting with your friends while you're riding the same course. They could be riding at a higher intensity than you, but you're still staying together. That's what Zwift does for you is it keeps the group together. Or you can join more group rides. There's thousands of them. And I liked it for that component. And then I got into Ruby because I was really invested in the Ironman virtual races in 2020. And Ruby, through my discovery of, of using it, has if not all the Ironman and 70.3 courses on it. So that was actually a highlight for me was to get to do some of those courses that I was going to be racing on in reality. And then in 2022, Ironman Virtual um, didn't have the Ruby partnership and they had what's called Full Gas, which is what I'm currently with, even though the Ironman Virtual Club is no longer existing. I still enjoy the full gas of because of the variety of courses that it offers. I have I'm not someone who is going to join any group or set up any group rides with anyone like I was back when I was riding on Zwift. So it's just a matter of kind of what your why is and why you're what you want to get out of an app. If you're someone who likes to follow very structured, detailed workouts personalized to you. I would say Trainer Road might be the best option because they seem more um, in line with more structure than the other apps provide. Now, that virtual Ironman uh, series, didn't you earn a slot as a result of that? I did. So this was, again, I think it was still back in 2020. 20. It was all COVID related, right? Because that's yeah, why they were trying was, to do something. Yeah, there was no races going on. And I had been part of this community, Ironman Virtual Reality Racing, whatever it was called, Ironman VR. I actually have a shirt on. 
<laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> shirt on today. Um, and they started offering when they would when they would have a half Ironman distance weekend event. They would have options. One option was to complete 1.2 miles, 56 mile bike, and 13.1 mile run over the course of the weekend, and you get points or prizes. And then they started getting into competitive options where, and one time you had to, in one day, I think it was a 12 hour period, you'd have to log 1.2 miles of swimming, log 56 miles on a course on Ruby that they suggested you ride. It had to be Ruby else it didn't count. Mm -hmm. And then you had to run 13 miles. You had to do that all in a 12 hour period to be part of the competition. And so I did that and I earned a slot to the 70.3 world championships in St. George, which took place in 2021 in September. So that was exciting for me because I, you know, I just happened to get really fit um, during the COVID year, the big COVID year in 2020. And I earned a slot without having to, mm. again, pay a big registration fee to attend a race and all that comes into traveling to races. So I was really excited to be going to St. George in September, 2021. And then I didn't end up going because just with a couple weeks notice, they ended up changing the men's and women's race was supposed to take place on Saturday. And then they moved the women's race to no Friday. It was supposed to take place on Friday. And then they moved the women's race to Saturday. And there was just whole like, you know, I had to keep more reservation, more accommodation, spend more money. And I decided, eh, I don't want to do this. It's just hmm. too too many changes too close to the race. And so I was glad I decided not to go because I ended up going to Florida and doing really well in Florida. It's a brilliant idea for them to keep people engaged. I mean, that's a very challenging time for a lot of businesses to stay afloat. And that was a good idea on their part. Do yeah. you think it was a successful program? I think it was a very successful program. You know, I have, there's some pros and cons and way I feel about the Ironman Corporation right now, but the Ironman Virtual Race Series that they did, I mean, even kept me engaged as a very elite competitive age group athlete. Mm -hmm. I loved doing the, the weekend races. It was, you know, it started out as, something to do a workout. It wasn't competition. It was like, okay, I'm going to do the suggested workouts of the week. I'm going to do the suggested weekend race. It was just a workout. And then it, and then I started getting those competitive juices flowing and they started getting it to be more competitive. And so mm -hmm. they started bringing in the professionals and that they would show the professionals racing. Yeah. Um, and that was oh, fun. And so again, I think they did a really, really good job with that. Nice. Well, we've covered a lot in this episode, uh, 385 today, whether it was the, our training plan discount series for the next three months, um, bike cages, clip-on pedals, pros and cons of Ironman Arizona, Florida, and California, whole open body water contact, swim tips. open water swimming tips. Yeah, good stuff today. Uh, if you want to join the conversation or at least get engaged with us, leave a question uh, inside the T2 Endurance Club on Facebook. There's also the Endurance Hour um, Facebook group as well. We're also on Instagram. So plenty of ways to get a hold of us, uh, endurancehour.com sign up for, um, the discount code. There's also a newsletter there and we'll finish off with this. We have two newsletters per week. Wendy, tell them what they get when they sign up and give us their email for the newsletters. So I send a newsletter out on Fridays. I usually will, you know, include the 
podcast if we're able to do it that week. I'll include some tips and some videos or blog content that we mentioned in the podcast just for more information because we have so much content on the Endurance Hour YouTube channel that's usually related to questions that we answer in the podcast that I like to link to it. Mm -hmm. And then just some inspirational stuff. And then on Monday, we like to send out just a condensed newsletter with all our current partnerships and discount codes, as well as new ones that we may pick up over the course of the week or the, the various couple weeks, either that we pick up or that sometimes I see something online. Like there's this Training Peaks promotion going on right now that ends today. If mm. you sign up for, um, if you enter this contest, you could win a free premium Training Peaks thing. And so people like to know that. And, you know, with two in, two endurance athletes, we tend to know these things before other people. So if you have something that you want to maybe include as a partnership to the T2 Endurance Club, let us know. And we could probably include it in our Monday newsletter. Excellent. For Coach Wendy Mater, I'm Dave Erickson. Thanks so much for listening this week to episode 385. We'll be back next week with a new one. Until then, have a great week of racing, training, or recovery. Adios. Adios. Mm-hmm.